The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. In honor of AMA's International Medical Graduate Recognition Week, today we're talking with Dr. Natalia Solonkova, an intensivist physician and an AMA IMG section governing council delegate member, about her experience as an IMG and vocal physician working on the front lines of the pandemic in Miami. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Solonkova, thanks for joining us today. You've been on the front lines in a state that's had uh, some of the worst COVID hotspots in the country multiple times throughout the pandemic. Just start by talking about you know, what your life has been uh, for you, for your fellow physicians on the front lines any given day uh, during one of those surges. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for having me. Well, surges are hard and it's extremely busy. And yes, I've worked in Florida. I worked in Texas during last year. I worked in New York. I worked in um, uh, Indian reservations. And I can just say it's busy and it's very difficult. It's difficult emotionally and it's difficult physically for all of us. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, you just kind of read off some of the, you know, the most intense hotspots that we've seen in this pandemic. Were you seeking those places out? Uh, I mean, because you're speaking, I would guess, say an understatement uh, relative to your experience. Um. I first surge started in Florida in March of last year. And as our surge was uh, going down, um, New York was blooming with their surge. And there were a lot of requests for physicians to come and uh, help. So as our surge went down, um, I realized that I have time to help. And that's how I went to help. And then there were different opportunities started coming and people started reaching out with Texas, with Indian reservations. And uh, I'm actually doing also telemedicine right now for rural places and helping out with a national program to help out. So I guess it gives me not only an opportunity, but also understanding how the healthcare works in this country. I would say you're kind of the physician equivalent of a storm chaser in that regard. Well, um, a little bit there, we're giving new bit. meaning to word intensivist. <laughs> um, so uh, let me just ask you, you know, we're, we're in uh, IMG recognition this week, and we uh, want to talk to you about, you know, the integral role that IMGs play in our healthcare system. You know, how has it been uh, as an IMG uh, in your practice and you talk about you know the experience and the unique character that you bring uh, to our healthcare healthcare system. Well, um, I think as an IMG, first of all, we've learned uh, we learn all IMGs. We learn about American healthcare system by achievements of top academic institutions in and top academic medical centers, and we assume that healthcare in this country all that what academic, top academic institutions have to offer. And as we come, we usually are not the ones that will match in those residences. We're not gonna be trained in those programs. We're not gonna be the ones working in those hospitals. So we actually bring uh, a lot to 
places that are not top academic medicine. We practice in underserved uh, and poor urban and rural places. And as I traveled, I've seen uh, a lot of doctors who were IMGs working on the border of Texas, working in public uh, hospitals in uh, hospital in New York where I was and uh, in reservations. And now also telemedicine services are provided and some are IMGs in, in those telemedicine services. So when you think about your experience, you know, what advice would you have for your fellow IMGs? I would say, don't get discouraged with um, if you feel that your prior experiences are invalidated or deemed non-important. All experiences that you bring from your countries are important. Keep them and base your new practice on them. That's it. You know, that word, I mean, invalidated, I'm just saying kind of you know, catches me here. Um, you know, what do you mean by that? And how have you personally dealt with that? I mean, uh, by that, I mean, that word is, I think, it, for me, it's very personal word, because when I came to this country, it felt that all my prior experiences did not matter, because my education was not Ivy League, my uh, previous experiences was not what considered good formal criteria in this country. And therefore I was constantly reminded that there is a ceiling for me. And after that ceiling, unfortunately my formal criteria don't allow me to go. And it's been very difficult. It almost feels like your prior life is canceled and you start building your new life. And and now I realize that a lot of skills that I have acquired during my training, practicing in, um, I mean, being trained in a country with non-top medical care, I can bring those experiences and they're useful because when you have very uh, deficient care, you become creative. And this is how we practiced and how we were trained. So that's why I would say, don't feel that you're invalidated. Don't feel when you change one country to another that your, your training is invalidated. No, it's valid. It's valid and needed. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. Um, you shared with us um, a story about how an editorial that you wrote on rural disparities was difficult mm -hmm. to get published um, because, and this is your quote, I have no name because it has numbers, not feelings, because nobody cares about rural health and because my rural and poor urban experience didn't matter. Can you, I mean, there's a lot in there. That's um, true. Yeah, can you, can you just talk about that and uh, the challenges that you're kind of pointing out there and how organizations like the AMA can support uh, 
can support you? Well, it's very hard for being a person, again, uh, with formal criteria that are not valued uh, to publish something in um, some very known source, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, I was warned when I started writing my op-ed, I was warned by my mentors from my training here that I should not be aiming for some known sources because I likely be rejected. And this happened and I've been rejected and I kept sending and sending. I wanted to get the message out and probably after eight, nine times I was rejected by different websites. I finally uh, got accepted by uh, one and I was happy. The other thing I want to mention here that me and two other members of governing council tried to write um, an article about um, struggles of immigrant physicians during the pandemic. And that article was probably rejected for more than 10 times. Mm. And I just say one of the first rejections we get was from JAMA. And we were trying to bring an awareness to everybody that there are immigrant physicians they are they're willing to help but they are restricted by visas and there are other problems that they face during the pandemic however uh we were rejected as a content was considered to be out of scope of jama mm-hmm. few months later similar content was published by a person who's affiliated with cornell uh, university which speaks loud at least for us um yeah that is uh it's a challenging story Um, we were able to publish our uh, article in uh immigrant journal we were able to publish it so it's out there but again it took us over a year and a half to find for our article a home i'm glad that it uh you know that it that it made it through. Um, you know, you uh, obviously weren't stopped there because in addition to what you write, you're also very active on social media and, uh, you know, elevating the issue of rural disparities uh, uh, through that channel, uh, as well as uh, fighting misinformation, trying to reach the unvaccinated, you know, w- what is it that you know drives you to use your voice to speak up to use all these different kind of media uh, to address the challenges that you're seeing? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I think it's a lot on this question. Then, mm. Basically, I say that well, first of all, um, immigrants who come to this country, they come with experiences. There is a reason why they leave their own countries. Maybe because they were su- subjected to a certain bias or discrimination, or they haven't uh, been able to find opportunities in their own countries. And they came here with experiences. So um, with a, often it's experiences of injustice. And therefore we are very sensitive to matters of injustice. When we join, when we become um, part of the workforce here, part of the community here, 
we're sensitive because we experience we experience those injustices just as much. And therefore, me practicing during the pandemic, it was really eye-opening experience. And I've seen great care and I've seen extremely poor care that I haven't like I haven't expected to see in the United States. I haven't known about this level of care. And that made me kind of speak up because I feel this is injustice, major injustice, mm -hmm. when some people are valued more than the others. And the ones that are valued, they don't know anything about those. Um, people don't know about Indian reservations. People don't know about rural places that are now struggling, uh, critical access hospitals. And this is not something that we talk about. Well, I, uh, you know, I applaud that. Uh your efforts to speak out um, you know, about a problem you see. I know because we talk to a lot of physicians who are, are very vocal um, as well, that you know, it's, it's like having another job sometimes to do that. Uh, I know you also, you recently posted uh, something on Twitter that said, you know, there are days when uh, it feels like deleting this Twitter account is the healthiest thing to do. Uh, so, you know, talk to me, what were you thinking in that moment? Why did you say that? Well, uh, sometimes I feel Twitter has become for a lot of people as an opportunity to speak and as an opportunity to be heard, to reach out to larger communities and to connect with other people and combine voices. And sometimes um, either when you speak, you're being um, attacked or there is something uh, within Met Twitter which becomes problematic. There is some kind of argument going on and divides the whole Met Twitter. Um, so uh, that's pretty much those two causes that make me usually feel like that. Either I'm personally attacked um, or I see that there is a dividing uh, movement going on. Mm -hmm. or a movement like a cancel culture going in a med Twitter, which almost feels like, you know, dirty kind of. Have you found other platforms or other ways that you've, you know, feel are more productive uh, in, you know, your daily life to get that message across? Um, I found Twitter to be probably the most uh, productive platform for me. I now I started exploring Twitter spaces and I really like spaces as I've connected with a lot of people as well during spaces, being able to ask questions, being able to speak to audience. And I've been invited several times to speak on those spaces. So I find that very connecting with community as well as other people uh, who are on the same page advocating for the same ideas. Um, well, we have a final question for you. Obviously, we had a long way to go to uh, fix our healthcare system. And, you know, we're uh, really trying to bring awareness to the challenges that IMGs face as part of that. Do you have, you know, any final one message that you would like to get to physicians, particularly IMGs? as we close out IMG Recognition Week? My final message would be to uh, physicians and particularly IMGs is that IMGs are 26% of physicians workforce in the United States. And therefore, just don't feel discouraged. I know your um, work here, your 
path here is very challenging. Being without your family is often being without support, but there is support. Find people just like you and connect with them. That we are a community and uh, I, we are supporting each other. And we are IMG Governing Council of uh, AMA. We are here for you to support you if you have any problems. Dr. Solnikova, thank you so much for being here today. I, I love your stories and uh, I think it's pretty powerful. I think we're finding through these interviews that it isn't just the numbers, it's, it is these kind of stories and they're, and they're very moving. That's it for today's Moving Medicine video and podcast. We'll be back with another segment shortly. Uh, thanks for joining us and please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.